You know who I haven't talked to in a while? A straight person? What's after breakfast? What's before lunch? It's Austin, Texas. It's weird brunch. I mean... Like, in your friend group, name one straight person. I had... Are we recording? Yeah. Okay, I have an important fucking thing to say. (laughs) Oh, shit. Uh, On the record, Mm -hmm. I had to do a corporate diversity, inclusion, equity uh, workshop, and it was uh, insane. Like, they were asking just deeply personal questions and then asking people to participate but then you don't have to participate if you're uncomfortable but also we need you to participate or it's not worth it and also we're going to rush through this so participate but don't but then yes please but if you're uncomfortable and we're going to go real fast and I was like this is insane was it organized by your company or did they bring in a third party they brought in a third party what part who was it what party off the record (laughs) sea pine i've never heard of them before i have not either like the letter c no like a in an ocean Mm -hmm. oh yeah like sea pine but pines don't belong in the ocean Mm -mm. i mean well you had that christmas tree one from a couple weeks ago that somehow how upsetting was that i mean i still remember it yep so that's good yeah yeah truly made an impact you know what i remember hmm. nothing from that workshop yeah there's a really fine line between like good dib workshops and bad ones and Mm -hmm. in my opinion the biggest difference is um the company that puts them on you really want to pay money for that kind of stuff this was um i don't it seemed like a very small operation yeah local small Mm-hmm. Having, have, I, I always want companies to have, so I run the DIB committee at my work. Mm-hmm. Um, what I does that stand for? Diversity, inclusion, and belonging. Oh, yeah. y'all say belonging instead of equity. That's interesting. Well, equity is part of it, but equity is usually owned directly by HR because it's a lot of the time it has to do with monetary, huh? like getting paid, like equity um, evaluations to make sure that all genders, all races, everyone's getting paid what they should be. Damn. Kind of stuff yeah but um most of that to be most in my opinion as a white woman <laughs> as, white a, as a straight presenting white woman um it, that really has to be um driven by the employees and then fully supported by um the executive level and that's usually where the disconnect is is either one side takes it mm-hmm. and you don't have enough power as an employee without any support and as an executive it just sounds like the directive is coming from on high and it doesn't really matter. This is just how we're going to do it. So Hmm. it's a lot. Yeah. This was a really big range of, it was, it was a lot, but also nothing at the same time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. There was an exercise where you had to say like, I am a white woman, but I am not. And all I could think of was a Karen. (laughs) I mean, yeah. What else do you say? I don't know. Like, I'm, I'm I'm not like you're um, you're supposed to like subvert your race expectation? Um or just any expectation. So like a you know, I am a woman, I am a white woman, I am a a queer man, yeah. I am a so whatever, but yeah, I was like I am a white woman cuz I don't need my company to know what I'm into. Yeah. Right. Uh and but I don't call cops. I yeah. Don't, mm, right. 
And I am sorry. <laughs> I feel like. But I'm not sorry. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. Yeah. Uh, it, I know I'm not supposed to say sorry that much, but I am sorry. Uh, yeah. I was just talking about, you know, the reclusive white men made me think of that. I was about to say, did all, most of the people who did the talking in that, were they white men? No. Really? It was um, a white queer man. Mm-hmm presenting anyway and then uh it was mostly led by a black queer woman from that works at your company no those were the two oh the hosts of it yeah well i'd say if they were asking for like feedback if they were were they was it like active discussion or was it when like they put out surveys and they read the responses (laughs) anonymously no it was like an active like I just Lisa's wanna, like I don't want to remember well, this much about it. Haley, well, and I want to know about it because I'm interested to see how other companies handle. Because we have we've had like we have lunch and learns and stuff. Mm-hmm. They, we try to make it kind of more depending on. We get a lot of feedback from our employees about what they think they're getting out of stuff and what they want to mm-hmm. know and how they see stuff. So we've never done something exactly like that before. You kind of got talked at. Yeah, it felt like a lecture that at the end of a lecture point, they'd be like, so when you're hiring, think about that. Okay, next thing. And I'm like, oh, hmm. Okay. Good to know. Okay. That'll cover us for the year. Mm -hmm. Right. That checks a box. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, (laughs) It also started with uh, the woman saying like, I do live in Austin. Uh, Some of the time I'm not there right now. Uh, but you know, like for instance, today my state passed a rule and I was like, that's how we're starting this. We're starting with our 666 new fun things that Texas passed, which includes abortion bans at six weeks and that you can (laughs) fucking call a hot tip line and tattle on people who are going to get abortions in other places, Yeah, which is just... The craziest fucking thing and horrible, terrifying, obviously, but really? I don't know what to do. Like, no. Like, it's insane. Like, you can, now you can also open carry a handgun. Also, like, a shit ton of. And other guns. um, And and you can open carry your baby. All right, bitch. That's true. That's true. Um, And uh, they got rid of what? critical race theory we never had critical race theory but, but like they, they banned teaching it yes with yeah, absolutely some, no understanding of what it is no. some teachers would do the wink wink nod nod here's yeah. what's really up but now i you can probably call a hotline for that yeah, too. yeah. <laughs> my teacher didn't they make le- weed more legal it is more available i think for medical yeah they purposes. like opened it up to like ptsd sure now. and they also made it so you can buy booze at 10 a.m on yeah. sundays but only still it's still beer and wine not liquor i'm gonna be honest right. shitty trade-off yeah. yeah i'd i'd much rather have reproductive rights back than uh being able to buy champagne for mimosas two hours earlier on a sunday yeah. but one begets the other you know yeah like one <laughs> one's gonna support the other i mean I feel like the earlier the buying the booze, the more the unprotected sex. But yeah. also the more you can deal with that new baby that you didn't yeah, want. Yeah, you have a you little, little bit of right. pot to kind of like, yeah. you know. Get like smoke it while you're pregnant so the yes. baby's tired all the time. <laughs> Thanks, Abbott. You know what? what? You know what? I'd like I to have my a mind. Really tired baby. <laughs> I like that that theory that if you smoke a bunch of weed while you're pregnant, your, your baby is just going to be, be tired. Chill. It's going to just be like, what's up, mom? 
comes out in a drug rug. He's like crying. Uh, I'm okay, actually. Wah. But you put on a fish album yeah. and take a nap. <laughs> I just want to breastfeeds for like two hours straight. Yeah, yeah, that would be a problem. Oh yeah, God, I feel like a I'm hungry, yeah. tired, tired baby. It's, it's like its first word is like Nietzsche. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. You it know has, what? I really. Yeah. I, maybe we it's support only, it. Maybe. You know what? If this is what we're going to get. <laughs> fuck it. If we're going to get a bunch of tired babies. Yeah. Tired Great. babies. <laughs> I just thought of a toddler like high running like this and like <laughs> waving its little arms like being high and like I don't know. <laughs> it's just a really crazy. I just want visual. a baby to come out with a full head of dreads. Right. Like, ew. <laughs> Coming out like the end of a mop. Look like a Kifulian, like, oh my demigod oh, being birthed. Crying. He just he comes out, he's like, I oh, fucked the blue pill. Right. So, yeah, Texas he has is got a lot of instead of a rattle. Sorry. Oh, it's okay. okay. I think we could, we could probably pull this thread for a long time. I really good. Would love it. Just breast it's milk crib from a is a waterbed. Um, yes. Uh, Jesus. So yeah, that's what we can do with our newfound freedom. N- newfound free dri- no, Friedrich. free Nietzsche. restrictions. Friedrich Nietzsche. Nietzsche. Uh, yeah, is just laugh about them, and then I don't know. I'm heavily considering just moving out of the state. Yeah, I yeah, I. It's a lot. Is that is that mean they win though? See, I have that feeling also because it's like they're gonna take the fuck over and this is yeah. all joe rogan's fault like he's covid so he and mm-hmm. he's he's taking his ivermectin Haley, yeah. the horse pill that deworms buttholes I, I did see a very good tweet yesterday that was, was it mine no it was the, i had a good one i believe you was uh if i was gonna take any medication made for horses i'd definitely be taking ketamine, ketamine yes and i thought of you because i thought of quaaludes Aww. whitney has wanted to do quaaludes since we Ugh, were teenagers same yeah ludes. same ludes. hard give same. me some ludes if you got a hook up on the ludes let me know i saw somebody post a picture of <laughs> joe broken in the bathtub or something and it's just like his chest and up to his fucking weird head his that's like no head. neck yeah and they were like, this is a baby at six weeks old. <laughs> Ew. Uh, and then I was like, hi, cops. Yeah, Joe Rogan is aborting his worms. <laughs> like to oh, sue. Yeah, let's sue. <laughs> oh, lots of lots of good crossovers yesterday. Yeah. Gross. Mm-hmm. So our state stocks. I don't know. I also, I was really thinking about it. And it was like, is it giving up if I leave Texas? And I kind of feel like it is. But then I was, I remembered this episode of 30 Rock where Liz Lemon has to go vote in her home state because she always kept her address at her parents' house because mm-hmm. she wanted to vote in a swing state. Mm-hmm. And I was like, well, I could keep my Mom, mom's home address. Is mom's actually, home still your permanent address? Yeah. yeah. No, or for my registration, it is. Okay. I thought it was for most things. It was, but John I made like, me change yeah, it for about a lot to of say. Brandon gave me so much shit for the longest time. <laughs> well, you're I'm like, like I why? 
we've been together for 15 years, but you never know. It's more like we don't, before before we bought a house, it's like, well, we don't have a permanent residence. We move every like year and a half, two years or whatever. Why would I change it that often? Yeah. Mom will just collect all the mail. She gets rid of the stuff she doesn't want. She'll come. some of the weirder stuff. She'll come to work and bring me my mail and then also bring me a drawing and half a banana. Yeah. That she's had in her purse for like a, a week. Almost used that. fully gift card. Yeah. Like two dollars and nineteen cents left on the Starbucks gift card. But that's good. But that's nice. Yeah. That's like a discount. It is. Yeah. It's like a half off. Yeah. Mom's the best. I we moved a year and a half ago. Well, a year and a few months ago. And I guess I updated most addresses, but not all, because the warrants that I had went to the oh, old address. No. Did they not fucking tell you? No, not until they were like, ma'am, you have to get a new driver's license this year, but we're not going to let oh, you yeah. do that. You told me about that. And I was like, okay, yeah. here's $650 that I just had laying Fuck. around. Good God. It's the universe. It, you got a little extra, right? We're just going to fucking take it away. It's not, everything's bad. <laughs> everything's bad. It is. Well, Haley, thank you for joining us again. You're, you're welcome. I needed people to commiserate with mm-hmm. about how bad everything was. And this it, is y'all are really good for it. that kind of stuff. <laughs> yeah. Honestly, I feel like, yeah, it, <laughs> this podcast was going to start out. Heavy on I know. Hating. Well, I was like, Regardless. I need to get some of this shit out of my my, my brain. Yeah, it's like, welcome Scream to September first. Um, pumpkin spice lattes are back on the menu, but abortions are not. Yeah. You know like, what? I mean, just like wake me up when September ends. Mm-hmm. I'll be gone till November. <laughs> I fucking hate that song though. <laughs> you brought it up. None of us I wanted to that to it. happen. I'm sorry. I'm not. Sorry. Um. Yeah. So like. <laughs> You might have noticed Haley here. My little <laughs> sister is here. She's filling in for Karina, who is still dealing with moving stuff in Chicago and all that other And fun. living the fucking dream yeah. in yeah. any other state. And she's in another state. Brad and Garrett are moving to another state. Shout out to them. Yeah. Everyone's leaving. <laughs> Wonderful. Um, oh, yeah. So, yeah. Welcome to fucking weird brunch. Anger <sighs> brunch. If Canada was an option. Canada can be an option. You can get dual citizenship. How? You just apply for it. You still have to spend a significant amount there, of time there. Start, you have to you start stand going there. with one foot on the U.S. side and one foot on the Canada side. They're and not- then... Do they let us in? Put your blood on both sides. Um, I didn't think they were what, letting I us I remember in. we're doing a little bit better with COVID than they are on like a oh. vaccination and stuff front. Yeah. I don't have Sometimes to look into Canada too much. I feel like there's a maple curtain. You know what I mean? <laughs> is, that, <laughs> is that like sugar walls? Like, yeah. It's, like it's not iron. Curtain. No. They're still nice people. It's, it's gooey. It's a slightly difficult to get through, but if you make an oh effort... God. Yeah, see, like, I want to, like, move to Maine and live in a creepy coastal town where weird murders have happened. And uh, And you know everybody. There's a lighthouse nearby. That's also a bar. Can you imagine? No. Holy shit. That's a dream. What if the lighthouse has a swim-up bar? But it's, like, really rough because the water's, yeah, it's, like, you gotta like, really want that really drink. Really fucking difficult, and the water is so unswimmably cold. But it's a swim up bar. That's that's how I'm gonna make my money when Just I like move to Maine. <laughs> it's called, 
Yeah, it's called like. Can I get a Cape Cod? <laughs> it's Please. called barnacles, and you have to like really suction yourself but it's, to it's it. It's barnacles. Barnacles, yeah. C-O. By the sea. We barnacles do, by the sea. We do have bar owning in our blood. We do. I bartended for 10 years, man. Uh, okay, so. Well, if I go, will y'all go you with did, me? You, did, you, yeah. did you? We introduced the podcast. I don't remember. Yeah, I said it angrily. Haley's here. I'm here. I'm Whitney Lamont. Are you angry because Haley's here? Yeah, of course. Okay, I'm Lisa Friedrich. Lisa's here. Haley's here. Anyways. You invited me. I know. <laughs> I was like, you have to do this. And she was like, can it be another day? And I was like, no, Lisa's you, busy. I hadn't even asked you if you were, but no. I was like, Lisa's busy. She just lied to me. When you asked me, I was literally looking at the rest of my calendar for the day, and it was solid blocks of meetings, and I was like, Fuck. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> then you said it was at the weed meet at seven. I'm like, oh, I can get something in a couple hours. See, there yeah. you go. I um, I am busy the rest of the weekend. I'm These doing shows. That's yeah. what I thought. That's what I said. I said Lisa has shows all weekend, mm-hmm. but I was just assuming that I hadn't double checked that. That's nice of you to assume it because it's typically not true anymore. Mm. It's so weird now. Everything's fucking weird. Yep. You know, just hide in your house. It's the only place you're safe. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I feel like I've kind of mostly been doing that. I've had to work some shows, but we haven't really been going out other than if it's like work related. Mm-hmm. Personally. I yeah. I went out for my brother's birthday and that's other than that, it's been like a backyard. Mm hmm. Or coming that's here. It. Yeah. <laughs> Not even your backyard. You're like, that's a nice one. I'll go pop over there. Yeah. yeah. Look at that backyard. Oh my. I don't know, man. Well, should we tell stories or? I think probably, yeah. Yeah. I feel like that's what we're here for. Most, mostly. Now it's who goes first, right? Mm-hmm. Who wants to go first? I can. Okay. Okay. Do it, old <clears throat> leaser. <clears throat> old leaser. Old leaser. Uh, you're going to hear some things in the story that are going to be like, hey, wait a minute. This sounds familiar. Um, cause it's fucking gross. Okay. <clears throat> are, are you saying that cause we're gross? No. Oh, okay. No. Um, it actually has to do with high babies. Oh, okay. Well, we thought that was <laughs> sleepy. Good. Sleepy okay. babies. It's also gross. Okay. Um, so, okay, 1959, London, 59. I think. <laughs> this better be London. What if you're... Is it just in Europe somewhere? No, it's definitely, it involves parliaments. That's in London. But Canada has also has a parliament. A couple no. other countries. Australia. Australia. A prime, oh, fuck. We'll figure it out. We it's will. fine. We will. Is somebody going to write in and say that you're wrong? <laughs> probably Our I would just love for anyone to write us um, <laughs> I thought last week Whitney said that y'all made an email address and you've never checked it I allegedly made an email address I'm not even sure if I have that part of it but I've said we've had one so I feel like that's good enough now I now all I want to do is try to okay I'm pretty sure I have okay Tell um, your stories. So 1959, a woman named Christine Keeler, she is 17 years old and she's working at a topless stage, as a topless stage dancer. What age was she? 17 years old in 1959. Ladies and gentlemen, Christine Keeler to the stage uh, at a Soho club when a man named Stephen Ward. I got it. 
It's there. How many inbox? Oh, I have to verify that it's me because it's been so long. <sighs> so Stephen Ward, this gentleman, he's like, well, hello, nurse. Um, <clears throat> I thought she was a dancer. She, but she's always going to nursing school. You, they're all. Yeah, I get, it. I got it. Thank you. He was an osteopath, uh, which is somebody who's like practices medicine, but is also like, let me massage this area because it probably hurts. It's a normal thing. I did look it up. Okay. Because <laughs> um, I was like, mm, wait a minute. Uh, and he was also up in fashionable society, art, and working class girls. And who gives a shit about this? Well, uh, especially him being an osteopath. Well, his patients included celebrities and powerful people like Winston Churchill, uh, European royalty, Elizabeth fucking Taylor, <laughs> Frank Sinatra. Uh, he was also a pimp. Hey. There we go. He invited young women to stay in his Notting Hill. Remember that movie? Mwah. Uh, I'm just a girl standing in front of a boy in the middle of a bookstore that probably doesn't exist anymore. Um, Thanks, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Amazon Hill. <laughs> <laughs> So he would have these women stay in his flat and he would introduce them to the wealthier socialites that he knew. Does it sound familiar? Yes. Yes, it does. Okay. Okay. Uh, he claimed to never have sex with these women, but instead depended on them for company because he had lived alone after his short marriage ended in 1949. He was just a sad man. Um, Keeler, Christine Keeler, later described their relationship as like brother and sister. I used to do more or less everything he said. I thought I could never stand on my feet unless he was there supporting me mentally. Hashtag groom. How, how dark do we want to go on how she was raised scale of one to ten i i mean i don't need the worst details but i would like to know how she usually dive in pretty deeply into the darkness okay so she had been raised in a pair of converted railway cars outside of london which sounds cool but it wasn't and uh by her mother and her stepfather and uh in 1951 at the age i'm gonna go really fast whitney okay Haley. Uh, in 1951 at the age of nine Keeler was sent to a holiday home in Littlehampton because the school health inspector said she was suffering from malnutrition one she was sexually abused as a teenager both by her stepfather and his friends for whom she babysat two at the age of 15 she found work as a model at a dress shop in London Soho it is London at age 17 at age 17 she gave birth to a son after an affair with an african-american united states air force sergeant the child was born prematurely on april 17th 1959 and survived just six days why did we need to know that he was african-american look i don't know that's what wikipedia wanted us to know so by 1960 Keeler had not only moved in with Ward, but she was finding other women to do the same. So now she's also Gislaine. She befriended a 16-year-old fellow uh, showgirl named Mandy Rice Davies, who soon after moved in with the pair. And by night, the trio lived it up in London's nightclubs, hobnobbing with friends, both fashionable and seedy. Those are my, that's my favorite combo, honestly. Because I mean, like, you got hobnobbing, fashionable, mm-hmm. and seedy. Mm-hmm. Everybody paints a picture. Also, I don't think I like the word hobnobbing. I, yeah, there's something about it. Yeah, it's the word knob. And hob. <laughs> so... Another one of his clients, Lord William Astor, 
he has Lord William Astor. He is the heir to Amer- the American Astor family and one of Ward's patients. He has offered Ward his 18th century manor in Buckinghamshire called the Cottage at Cliveden because all homes have a full fucking name in England. Mm-hmm. And it also came with a pool. <laughs> Oh, cool. I'd go. Right? Is it still open? In, I mean, in England, though? Like an outdoor pool? Is that allowed there? Pool's That's pool. the judgiest I've ever seen your face. I'm yeah. just saying. And then Astor also let Ward use that pool for parties. Just like an island. Saturday, July 8th, 1961. One of these parties coincided with a formal diplomatic gathering at the main house. Present as representative of the government was John Profumo. I'm really good. I have to say this name so many times I really need to nail this. Profumo, sure. Uh, <laughs> the Secretary of State for War and a rising political star with a key role in the Prime Minister's conservative government. That evening, as Lord and Lady Astor lead their distinguished guest on a walk around the gardens. Profumo spotted Keeler, who had lost part of her bathing suit in a prank. What part of her bathing suit? Well, Just I the would assume... Like the like the sunscreen. I'm assuming it's it, like there's a titty out, mm-hmm. but like just one. Oh, okay. Because it's only part, right? Yeah, it's just a prank. It's just a, it's a joke. It's, it's a joke it's titty. Jo- it's jocular. It's jovial. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. We're all LOLing. Yeah. This, Two this titties would be like a little aggressive. Less funny. Less funny. Everyone's LOLing. Yeah. I think that's tit. objectively less funny yeah. than one Both? tit. Yeah. yeah. One tit is way funnier than two. Yeah. <laughs> And you got a secret for later. That's yeah, it. Yeah. yeah. You got the a, other one actually doesn't look anything like this one. one. That's normal, Whitney. That's normal. Yeah. Sisters, uh, not twins. twins. Oh, I'm, I'm going to leave. <laughs> Whitney's the right tip. I'm the left tip. Thank you. That's why I'm so much bigger. <laughs> got, I'm more full of heart. According to Profumo, Astor, by way of introduction, cheerfully slapped Keeler's rear and told him, Jack. <laughs> Put that back. And then I imagine if he slaps it, does he go up? I think it depends on how big the tit is. Because if it's a big tit, I'm gonna want to go up with it. Because it'll then slap back down. That's a prank. I mean, I but feel like if she had mid middle. I feel like if you're slapping har- up hard enough, <laughs> you're gonna hit for it to face. like move. That's, that's I, I think prank. that becomes. <laughs> I think it becomes groping because you're oh, lifting the tip. Any of this not? No, nope, it's, it's just a casual tip slap <laughs> at the beginning. <laughs> That's how it always it starts. It starts with a casual tit slap. Tail is old as time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but if you're tits as old as racking it so hard. <laughs> now I'm just seeing <laughs> Angela Lansbury in a bikini <laughs> with her tit out. <laughs> I imagine her slapping all this And she's also a teapot, a tit pot. <laughs> This is too much. Uh, we shouldn't be laughing this hard at like a, no. at a assault. Absent, yeah, at, like, at a adjacent. definite assault. Okay. okay. Oh, Jesus. Winnie, it was just a prank. Or it's too. Uh, yeah. Okay. Sorry. 
I was thinking of murder. <laughs> okay, shootout. so he came, <laughs> came <laughs> and slapped her on her behind rear end. Yes, and told him, <clears throat> Jack, this is Christine Kaler. <clears throat> I oh laughed too hard and now I have liquid in my throat. You have throat. to lubricate your throat. Think mm-hmm. about Angela Lansbury being <laughs> topless while in the opening credits of Murder, She Wrote. Man. <laughs> That's all I want to think about I mean, now. I would watch it. So Profumo's definitely hotted out. I mean, she, again, probably had a titty hanging out. And then later, though, he would CYA by calling her a common tart. To be fair, her nipples made it look like a tart. Yeah, there you go. But at the same party was, and I don't have to say this name a lot, so sorry. Yevgeny Ivanov. Love it. Side note. Just a little tiny side note. Keeler maintains that Ward, the pimp guy, was working as a double agent, having contact with both senior members of MI5 and the KGB, to whom he was passing UK state secrets. No big deal. NBD. Mm -hmm. Ward's friendship with the Soviet military attache, Yevgeny Ivanov, that sounded better. Again, he was known by MI5 to be an intelligence officer, this Ivanov guy. And so it drew him to the attention of British intelligence, who sought to use him in an attempt to secure Ivanov's defection. So then on Monday, July 10th, again, this party was July 8th. July 10th, Ward called his MI5 handler and made his report. Keeler's relationship, oh, by the way, she like went and hooked up with Ivanov to try to get these secrets. Her relationship with Ivanov and Profumo led to Parliament's concern of a breach of national security. A week later, Later, while Profumo's wife, actress Valerie Hobson Hob, was away, Profumo telephoned Keeler and arranged for a meeting, the first of several encounters. As the relationship progressed, Profumo did a lot of dumb shit that would give away his affair in his efforts to impress Keeler. He gifted her a cigarette lighter, 20 pounds for her mother's birthday, And then also gave her some of his wife's perfume so that she wouldn't know he was married. These are supposed to be impressing? So there's, yeah. A lighter lighter 20 20 bucks and used perfume. perfume. Yeah. But then he also uh, borrowed a fellow member of Parliament's Bentley for a ride. Um, And a free car ride. Yeah. In someone else's car. Well, he probably was like, this is my Bentley. I mean, granted, in like my early 20s, that was a man wooing me. Yeah. It's really not that different. Okay, Haley. I'm just You should have had higher standards. I did not. Okay. I did not. <laughs> she is nineteen. He also sent her letters written on official war office stationery. Whoa. That's a dumb move. It is, but that would be a hard flirt for me. Yeah. I would be like, He's oh, dangerous. Okay. Yeah. The affair didn't last long. Mm. Both of them offered differing accounts of when exactly it ended. Profumo claimed that he ended it by letter in August of 1961. Keeler claimed that it carried on until October. Either way, it ended quickly. Keeler began to pick up small modeling jobs. She's feeling hopeful about her future. She moved out of Stephen Ward's home and into her own flat she moved on romantically she starts relationships with an antiguan jazz promoter johnny edgecombe (laughs) oh no oh what say that one more time 
Antiguan from Antigua. Yeah. What was his job title? Jazz, Jazz promoter. promoter. And his name is Johnny Edgecombe. Johnny Edgecombe. Oh, that's Perfect. a lot. We've all dated a Johnny Edgecombe. Mm-hmm. Johnny Edgecombe. Yeah. yeah. And then she, at the, she was also uh, dating Jamaican-born singer Aloysius Lucky Gordon. Lucky's in quotes, yeah. obviously. And during these relationships, she suffered verbal and physical abuse from both of them and left Gordon for Edgecombe, who eventually attacked Gordon with a knife in October of 1962. Very jealous. In December... Keeler left Edgecombe. He tracked her down and she had gone to visit Mandy Rice Davies, who still lives at Stephen Ward's house. And Edgecombe fires several pistol rounds at the front door. So obviously this guy is brought to trial for his dumb, jealous bullshit overall. And the police and tabloid journalists are starting to pick up on some real hot goss that has nothing the fuck to do with Edgecombe. And then Keeler, while she's at this trial for Edgecombe's bullshit she gets asked about her relationship with profumo during the middle of this trial and she denies it on record most celebrity mags your you know daily sun or whatever daily mail had already published anonymous jokes about the minister and the showgirl but no one would dare print the story in full. And then Keeler attempted to reveal her version of the events by selling the rights to the story to the Sunday Pictorial for about $30,000 in January of 1963. Also, Mandy Rice Davies begins speaking to journalists as well. So they're kind of talking about Profumo and they're talking about Stephen Ward. Well, both of them manage somehow to fully deny their involvement in the scandal. But it was a little too late. Rumors had already started flying through the government and the press is already... I mean, we all know how those people... London press are. Eventually the scandal reaches the Prime Minister Harold Macmillan. Profumo was forced to make a statement in the House of Commons on March 22nd 1963. Here is the statement. I last saw Miss Keeler in December 1961 and I have not seen her since. Miss Keeler and I were on friendly terms. There was no impropriety whatsoever in my acquaintanceship with Miss Keeler. I feel like when you use the bigger words, that's when you know that you did a bad. Mm -hmm. I shall not hesitate to issue writs for libel and slander if scandalous allegations are made or repeated outside the house. So that didn't stop shit. Uh, Politicians are still worried about the connection between Keeler, the Soviet naval guy, Ivanov, and uh, Profumo, and how this may have been a breach of security. So in an attempt to save Ivanov, Stephen Ward, his buddy, admits to several damning details to a politician who passed that on to government. So now all the high-ranking members of government meet on March 27th, and they're like, that Stephen Ward guy, like, he's a piece of shit. Let's, he's a scapegoat here. And actually, there is, uh, under the 1956 Sexual Offenses Act, any man who introduced a woman under the age of 21 to another man for sexual purposes was automatically guilty of causing prostitution. Huh. London. A man who introduces another man to someone under the age of 21. That takes a lot of agency away from the woman. It does. Yeah. But he's like 
here's this lady. Her name is this. Pay me for I sex. I mean, but right. oh, I mean, the the monetary exchange on that is obviously the illegal thing. But like, oh, like if she was like 19, she's like, hey, 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 can you introduce me? Yeah, I want to fuck that guy. <laughs> And you're 21 and your friend yeah, is 21. Right. I'm assuming probably the, the spirit of the law is this, the prostitution yeah. thing. Yeah, That is interesting. Mm-hmm. Although Ward had indeed introduced Keeler, Rice Davies, and several other young women to any number of men, there was no evidence that he'd acted as a pimp. But that didn't stop prosecutors from attempting to pin the whole affair on him. They thus argued that the money Profumo had gifted Keeler, which was like the 20 pounds or whatever, which she consequently paid to Ward, constituted immoral earnings. Why is my throat dry constantly? People just Are don't you have high? No, it's mold. Profumo himself, under mounting pressure, was on a trip to Italy with his wife. When he was summoned back to London, he admitted the truth to his wife and, Macmillan, and to Macmillan's secretary back home and offered his resignation on June 4th, 1963. So he immediately is like, here, I'm out. And then while recovering from an operation, Macmillan, the prime minister, under mounting pressure from his party, also steps down in October of 1963. This ends an entire cabinet with just one sexual scandal. Can you wow. fucking imagine? There would there would not be another conservative prime minister until Margaret Thatcher's election in 1979. That, so. that went, went over really well. It really, yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think we all remember how well that went. Mm. Stephen Ward's trial was turned into an absolute circus by sensationalized press coverage that we all know about. They told Rice Davies, um, she was a witness <laughs> in Ward's trial, uh, and they were like, hey, uh, Lord Astor, he denied ever meeting you. And she goes, well, yeah, he would, wouldn't he? <laughs> And because of the time, everyone's like, damn, bitch. And then Ward was convicted of the immoral earnings charges despite earning the modern equivalent of over $163,000 from his practice alone. So the small amount of money that Keeler gave him he is now charged with taking bad money. Days before his sentencing, Stephen Ward intentionally overdosed on barbiturates and died in the hospital aged Will 50. So Stephen Ward did not kill, kill himself. himself. <laughs> in December of 1963, Keeler pleaded guilty to charges of perjury before Sir Anthony Hawk, the recorder of London, and she was sentenced to nine months imprisonment. She served four and a half. During each of these trials, Keeler clearly suffered the most abuse. She's been she's being called an opportunist, a prostitute. She's portrayed as some greedy vamp who targeted a respectable public figure figure, Lisa, for her own gain. John Profumo was spared such bullshit. Who knows why? He was left alone and he went and worked in East London uh, at a charity for the remainder of his life. Both of them would later publish memoirs of their affair and its effects. After her release from prison in 1964, Keeler had two brief marriages to James Levermore in 1965 to 66 and to Anthony Platt in 1971 to 72. There was a child from each union, the elder being largely raised by Keeler's mother, Julie, who was a terrible mom. Yeah. 
Keeler mainly lived alone in the last couple decades of her life. Most of the considerable amount of money that she had made from newspaper stories was dissipated by lawyers. She said that during the 1970s, I was not living, I was surviving. She published several accounts of her life. In one, she claimed that she... (laughs) I don't want to say what I am about to say. However, multiple sources did say that she was maybe sensationalizing some things this being one of them. In one of them, she claimed that she had she became pregnant as a result of her relationship with Profumo and subsequently had an abortion. I feel like that maybe would have been mentioned a little bit earlier at some point, but I, I don't know. There were some other things. She had accused the one boyfriend, Gordon, of assaulting her, like attacking her. Mm-hmm. And he went to, he he was convicted, he went to jail, and then at the end of Stephen Ward's trial, that was overturned, and Gordon was let out because all of the witnesses they couldn't find, they found a couple of them, and there were alibis. So, Hmm. unfortunately, she already kind of has this, I don't know. She's an unreliable narrator. Yeah, yeah, to an extent. I, I think I believe, you know... 95% 95% of what she's saying, mm-hmm. but I just hate it when that happens. Uh, on uh, December 5th of 2017, Keeler's son, Seymour Platt, announced that his mother passed away last night at about 11.30 p.m. That was the announcement. She was 75 years old, and she died of heart disease. Womp, womp. Womp, womp. Well, at least she That's... maintained some type of relationship with her child. Yeah, I mean, uh, you know, everything's written as like the scandal and like the yeah. fallout. But yeah, there like the initial article didn't even mention her kids. They didn't even mention that she had kids. But it does seem like she had a relationship at some point. It seems <laughs> she had buyer's remorse on that first one, maybe. Oh, that's that is one way to put that. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Mm-hmm. That's what I used to tell my mom when she would get mad at me. <laughs> oh God. Well, then send me back then. Sorry, there's not a refund. Did you lose my receipt? (laughs) But yeah. Just imagining one sex scandal completely taking down a half of parliament, essentially, or a cabinet. Yeah. Kind of be nice. Yeah. It wasn't that long ago that that would happen. Like Clinton. Clinton, yeah. Wiener. Yeah. Clinton's Wiener. Clinton's Mm -hmm. Wiener. Yeah. Wiener's Clinton. Mm-hmm. Yeah, this it just had so many things that mirror things now. Yeah, mm-hmm. that I'm like, yeah, this was a lot. I had no idea about any of this. I know I'm American. No, why would we like even if learning of like other countries' political histories? Like, why in school would that specifically get brought up? Even though it'd be kind of just like a fun little tidbit that like your cool history teacher would tell you. I wonder. I wouldn't be surprised if there's some college out there that has like political scandals yeah political scandals oh. class like i would take the fuck out of the same so if, no if someone if there's a professor out there who teaches political scandals because no. there's a lot of history behind it well it also you gotta get to the drives reason why a lot of important. policy like you can probably pretty immediately track the fallout of half of a cabinet representing a conservative party getting mm-hmm essentially ousted and what that was then filled with and what policy was created after yeah, that. Yeah, the Labor Party, policy, so. the Labor Party kind of took <clears throat> control or whatever for 
And it was like barely, they barely won the next election. It's just such a vastly different. Now, uh, yeah, we're vastly different in our two main parties. Why do I keep Calm doing it? Okay. I just, that Xanax didn't do anything for you, huh? <laughs> didn't. She squeezes her can. Hmm. Squeezing her can now. <laughs> Slapping a tit. Okay. All I can think about is Angela Lansbury with a tit out now. <laughs> Makes me pretty happy. Barely even friends and somebody bends. Yeah. Unexpectedly. We could recontextualize all of that. Haley, what's the matter with you? I Look have at her tight fake nails on. Excuse me. Does that mean you want to go next? Yeah, I can go next. It Sit closer to your microphone. Hurt my fupa. <laughs> you were going to say I hurt one of my tits. <laughs> my tits are not Ouch, big enough to hit the table. Um, <clears throat> so... In 1992, a woman named Stella Liebeck, um, she's a 79-year-old woman from Albuquerque, New Mexico, went with her grandson to a McDonald's. Her grandson drove, and she ordered a cup of coffee. Oh. <laughs> this bitch. <laughs> yep. Y'all probably heard this story before, so I'm going to retell it uh, in a way that contextualizes it a little bit better. Stella orders a cup of coffee. She takes it. Her son pulls over into the parking lot. She realizes there's nowhere for the coffee to be sat down that wasn't on a slant. So she took the coffee, put it in between her knees, took the top off. And when she was about to put sugar in it, it tipped towards her, spilled in her lap and burned her. So, But like how bad? So hold on. We're getting there. (laughs) She um, went to the hospital because she had burns on 16% of her body. Because the coffee was at 190 degrees. Average coffee, the coffee you make at your house, is about 150 degrees. She was in the hospital for eight days. It required skin grafts. Her doctor told the press after the time that she almost died and it required extensive surgery. And she was permanently disfigured for the rest of her life. Her daughter wrote a letter to McDonald's to ask them to pay for the part of the bill that wasn't covered by insurance. Which that whole thing is its own kind of issue. That insurance wouldn't cover all yeah. of this. I'm going to chime in real quick. Yeah. Uh, water boils at 212 degrees mm-hmm. Fahrenheit. This is true. So, so that's how off. close it was. So Ugh. she wrote a letter to McDonald's basically saying, hey, can y'all pay the $20,000 that I owe? Reasonable. And then also it would cover basically her medical expenses and the week and a half that her daughter had to take off of work to take care of her. Super reasonable. Yeah. Also, can you make your coffee less hot so this doesn't happen to somebody else in the Mm. future? And so um, McDonald's writes a letter back saying, how about we give you $800 and fuck no, we're not changing the temperature of our coffee. So Stella went, well, shit, um, I I have to get a lawyer. So she did. And she attempted twice to settle outside of court with McDonald's to have her medical bills paid for. And McDonald's would not budge. So she sued. So like on McDonald's side of this, McDonald's completely knew that their coffee was too hot. 
In the 10 years before, they had gotten 700 other reports of people burning themselves because of the temperature of the coffee. 700? 700 reports um, of people burning themselves. Ronald. And um, McDonald's actually admitted that the coffee was a hazard at such a high temperature, but they continued to keep it at that high temperature anyways, which is basically a near near boiling temperature. That's like how they keep their fucking frosty or whatever <laughs> yeah. machines not working. Do you hear about that? Yeah, yeah I did. I that there's wait. a lawsuit come or the FTC is looking mm-hmm. into why it's always down. Because they can't repair their own machines. Yeah, it's right to repair. Yeah. It's because they don't want to turn them on. No. No, it's, it's because they literally the machines breaks. are like proprietary. They rent them. And so they can't fix them themselves. Every time a McDonald's ice cream <sighs> machine breaks, they have to call this other company and they have to come out and fix it. And so McDonald's tried to, like, they made a way to fix it themselves. And those people who own the machines were like, fuck you, no. And now there's a big deal about it. Yeah. I'm also not interested in making McDonald's seem like the good guy at all in this. No, but it is. Okay. I I still want a McFlurry. It's pretty bad. Yeah. Um, Just go to Wendy's instead and get a Frosty. Yeah. Those machines are always. Honestly, Dairy Queen is where it's That's a good point. They're in Texas. Um, Anyways. So coffee, McDonald's. So the reasons why McDonald's justified keeping their coffee that hot was because, one, it was for optimum taste. And two, they also said that those who bought the coffee typically waited to drink it until they arrived at work or home. And by that time, the coffee cools. However, in that same lawsuit, in the testimony, they also testified that it came to light that the company's own research showed that customers intended to consume the coffee immediately while driving. Yeah, why the fuck would you go through a drive-thru? So it also came to light that McDonald's wanted to save money because internal studies showed that people drank coffee as soon as they sat down and it was purchased. But if they made it too hot... They wouldn't be able to drink it fast enough, so they wouldn't ask for a refill, saving uh, them money. On coffee? Yes. Also, McDonald's... It's water with... Water. Yeah. Yes. McDonald's executives testified that they believed it would be cheaper to pay injury claims and workers' compensation compensation benefits to people burned by their coffee rather than making any of these changes. <laughs> At this time, they had already settled for about a total of $500,000 in other cases for burning and scalding, not just due to hot coffee, but also hot food. One of their quality control managers testified in this lawsuit that he told them that certain things that they were serving were too hot and McDonald's didn't care because they had bigger things to deal with. Like what? The Hamburglar? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> there are a couple, and I'll briefly touch on, there are a couple other things going on at this time that continually show that you can't trust corporations and whatever they say, don't listen to because they're just trying to make money. So we get back to Liebeck, our friend Stella, um, the 79-year-old woman whose crotch is completely destroyed because oh, yeah. of some of It was her lady bits. It was her, it was like her inner burned. thighs and her groin. Yeah. I didn't know she was 79. She was 79, yeah. yes. Um for sure anyway so Liebeck once she got to the point where she was going to sue she sued for two hundred thousand dollars um but the jury wanted to award her 2.7 million dollars because they were like wow McDonald's y'all fucked up so um that 2.7 dollars isn't out of nowhere that's what they basically calculated was two days worth of coffee sales in McDonald's worldwide 
Oh, shit. Yeah. So kind of showing it wouldn't be that much oh. money for y'all to do this. That's so they've wild. only paid out half a day of coffee sales? Pretty much at that point. So With some fast men. So that's what after the verdict came back and that's what the jury suggested. But the judge reduced that to six hundred thousand um, dollars. However, McDonald's and Liebeck, they both appealed that um, that ruling and they ended up settling outside of court for an undisclosed amount, but it is reported to be less than six hundred thousand um, dollars. At the same time, Stella also had to sign a like an NDA for that settlement. I don't know how the law works in that way, but that's how it worked. Why would she settle outside for less? Because it matters if you think she could just continually go through litigation and appeals and appeals and appeals. And she was already 79 years old. So she's thinking of end of life kind of stuff. Like I need enough money for Mm -hmm. this horrible medical thing that happened to me and be taken care of for the rest of my life. Um, Because the incident happened in 1992 and the case wasn't settled in 1994 until 1994. Mm. So the case gets settled. Stella gets paid and, you know, minus lawyer's fees as well an undisclosed amount of money and then also is can't talk about it. She can't talk about the the settlement. And so this trial when it was going on, it wasn't like a trial that everybody was hearing about that people were following. People only heard about it after the settlement because like the AP and other news organizations would like report on it. But what would happen is the media would pick up on this story and it'd get piecemealed and smaller and smaller and just turned into like slug lines, essentially. So what most people saw was just the snippet stating, woman burned by hot coffee at McDonald's gets $2.9 million. Mm -hmm. That's all they see. So when most people hear this story, they hear that. They hear, oh, that's that old lady who spilled coffee on herself and it was hot and she sued and got a bunch of money, which um, kind of uh, like snowballed to organize like large corporations that are afraid of being sued for making unsafe products, create front groups like uh, Citizens Against Lawsuit Abuse to try to turn public opinion on tort reform. Tort reform is individual consumers' ability to sue corporations for liability for their products and services. So this case became the poster child for frivolous lawsuits, when in reality, there was nothing frivolous about it. Like an elderly woman was severely burned due to the negligence of a corporation. And so it really changed the tide of how people thought about individuals suing like large corporations um, to try to make money. So when you hear about, you know, like personal injury lawyers and um, cases like that, there's like always this kind of like, oh, scummy thing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, you're trying to get, you know, you got into a fender bender. Now you're suing whatever trucking company for hundreds Mm -hmm. of thousands of dollars. That is because of like tort reform um, propaganda. It's a disinformation campaign that has been propagated by suits like this. So you know what? I'm sorry. Yeah. Just got to have a Friedrich moment. Yeah. Uh, I was thinking about which lawyer is going to be the first lawyer to, to be like, do you know somebody giving abortions? <laughs> Call me. Oh, God. Yeah. I mean, that's definitely going to happen. <laughs> yeah. Tort, tort reform was a big um, Republican like talking point in the 90s where they did a really good job of convincing normal people that corporate you shouldn't sue corporations because frivolous lawsuits hurt everybody <laughs> which is mm-hmm. like sure whatever trickle down mm-hmm. hurt everybody exactly trickle down lawsuits mm-hmm. so that's what if you ever see it in case law it's called the mcdonald's hot coffee lawsuit um and it's interesting because at the same time there's two good but isn't there another lawsuit against mcdonald's for hot coffee like isn't this like a 
Okay. So they've been sued a couple of times. I just like I since just, then, right? Yeah. Um, because one of the things that they did not do was make their coffee any colder. Like the standard is still, I think it's a wider range of like 178 to 190 degrees that they keep There's their coffee. That AC. But they just um they always had the caution hot coffee on the thing, mm-hmm. but it was not really wasn't really legible. It's small, so they've made it like bigger. Like if you get a coffee, it's like the lid. All mm-hmm. all the companies do that now because yeah. they're I guess afraid of this. Even though ultimately, like most of my Starbucks I've ever gotten is mm-hmm. cold. That's why I don't go to Starbucks. <laughs> well, I'm I mean, gonna sue fair. Starbucks. Yeah, so that's what happened to Stella. She died when she was 91, and her um, daughter reported that she kind of just had no quality of life towards the end of her life because of the burns. And it, I mean, when you get a skin graft, it's not like they just patch skin on and it grows normal. Like it's an ongoing kind of thing that you have to deal with. So the lawsuit essentially gave her enough money to cover her medical bills and have her have live in help for the rest of her life. Um, So 91 is a good old age, but having lost 12 years of your life being the center of like public spectacle where you could not say anything to the contrary for a long time there are articles um about her out there but it was after like several years years after the settlement of the lawsuit Mm -hmm. and there's been a couple of movies or documentaries about tort reform and they really do heavily focus on it like hot coffee is one that came out in 2011 that's specifically about tort reform and it's based around the um hot coffee um mcdonald's lawsuit i'm i'm making a gross assumption that Mm -hmm. she has passed she is she died yes she died when she was 91 so at that point were other other people allowed to be like y'all know what happened to her yeah okay so there's there's been i would say in recent years more media coverage associated with it um i think there was an adam runes everything on it mm. i know there was an adam rune everything on it um mcdonald's actually has a couple of other cir- circumstances where they've influenced tort reform one of the things that i read was in about this si- same time in the 90s in england mcdonald's was opening like a McDonald's every single day in the UK for like a, a very long time. And some activists, I don't have this in front of me, so it's off the top of my head, um, basically started printing out leaflets saying, McDonald's is making your children unhealthy. They're lying to you about how they treat their employees um, and all this other stuff. That's because they still had those good nuggets at that time. <laughs> they still had the good mm. nuggets. That's the the obesity um, lawsuits is something that changed that. That's another thing that had to do with tort reform because tort reform has to do a lot with um, libel as well. See, now I'm pissed. Yeah. So there was, they started <laughs> handing. back on McDonald's. They, they started um, handing out these flyers and McDonald's was like, no, 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 no. You can't be doing all that. So they, this is in the UK and England, they sued these activists for libel and in the UK, libel laws protect the plaintiffs um, more than in the States, where it's usually kind of the opposite. So using the law to silence activists isn't a great thing because it draws attention to the activism. Right. So most of the time when a big company goes to two small people and, basic, and says, we're suing you because you're doing this, most people are like, okay, we'll stop. And that's kind of all they wanted. But the activists were like, okay, let's take this to court. Let's take it to jury trial. So it kind of had a Streisand effect mm. where more people found out about this. And then the judge actually ruled, ruled in McDonald's favor. However, he said that of the six points that um, the pamphlet was making, like five of them were accurate and true, which looked horrible for McDonald's. But because okay. like that was one or two or whatever, couldn't necessarily 
be proven as fact, that's why they won the lawsuit. But because it's just these two people, they didn't even try to attempt to collect on anything because what could they get out of it, you know? Mm-hmm. So um, that it was called Mick, Mick Libel was the, the tag oh. on it, yeah. And then the other one that you brought up when they changed the formula for some of the uh, Chicky Nuggies mm-hmm. or McNuggets was the um, childhood Please. obesity um, lawsuits from the late early late nineties, early two thousands that kind of rolled over for like 15 years and it kept starting to kind of get through courts and they tried to do a class action lawsuit, but it never really went anywhere because most of the time it got kicked back to the personal responsibility of the parents. Um, and it wasn't until super size me came out where mm. the, what's his face Spurlock mm-hmm. yeah, Morgan, Morgan, mm-hmm. our friend Morgan, um, showed that it's not possible to eat healthy on this diet and that any anything saying otherwise is like wholeheartedly not true because you can't even get a salad that's actually healthy for you. So that lawsuit ended up not going in there, but it actually had the change that they wanted was, you know, show the, the calories on food, change the ingredients. I do like that. Yeah. I do like seeing the calories. I had a... Uh, How much do I hate myself yeah, now? Yeah. Um, oh, I feel good about right. myself for this half yeah. of a cheeseburger. Yeah. I had a, a high school uh, boyfriend, whatever, and his mom was like, we need to call McDonald's for you because that's all you eat now. <laughs> and I was like, oh, she's like, for years and you were skinny. And I'm like, he was young with a metabolism. Right. Uh, well. Wait, are you complete as a person <laughs> i don't i don't are know you complete <laughs> yeah <laughs> what a loaded <laughs> question i'm 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 if you're asking me if i'm done with my mcdonald's story i'm done with my mcdonald's story and, okay. I, and I would say i'm done with mcdonald's but i don't really eat mcdonald's anyway so oh man if they had those Dang. old nuggets chicken chicken nuggets i'm really bummed out at whoever did that <laughs> to me to you personally i can tell you the name of the plaintiff in that case <laughs> then you can give me their fucking address <laughs> call them up yeah I mean, give me their kids names a lot of it's probably all public record at this point so you probably shouldn't have a hard time finding them yeah. but it did turn public into record record public records and the papes <laughs> papes always bothers me a hundred percent of the time it just makes me selling pipe i think of newsies yeah i think of newsies too we grew up on musicals though so all right. Well, while Haley, while Haley is trying to find this guy's name, so, so Lisa can, can personally him. attack him <laughs> in real life. Uh, it's, not, it's two minors, Ashley Pellman and Jaslyn Bradley, and it it was the Pellman cases. Are the, they well, still they were minors? minors then. <laughs> Definitely are not minors anymore because this was in two thousand and two, um, and they were minors. So unless they are, they died. They're, or they're like our age. age. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. If they 17, were, say they were sixteen in two thousand two. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Dang, I could you fight them. You should go. Fight I'm gonna them. fight them. Yeah. That's a good idea. I'm, I mean, I'm just gonna send them letters, with magazine clippings <laughs> about nuggets. Uh, just nuggets. <laughs> yes. And they're like, "What the fuck is this?" All right. Or so like, it's another one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Add it to the yeah, stack. Right. We ruin nuggets for Something everybody. Something came for you in the mail again. All right, so City, uh, her name S I T I City. Oh, oh, I thought. Okay. So it's like yes, I'm we just are in one. Very weird. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aisha A I S 
Y A H. Not a strong start, Whitney. What's how do you spell the first name? S I T I. City. City. But Isya A I S Y A H. I'm just gonna call her our girl City. Uh, was born in an Indonesian village in 1992. Uh, Good year. (laughs) Times were a little rough. She left school at 12 so she could support her family. She then ends up, she's working at like, uh, I think it was some type of uh, sweat lodge kind of situation. She was sewing shoes. She was. and A sweat lodge? Shop. What, shop. A sweat shop. Fucking whatever, man. If she was at a sweat lodge, she, she was, was like like in a sauna, re- like getting transcendental and yeah. like no, a sweat shop. Uh, she was. She did end up making good friends, even more friends. <laughs> Thought you were gonna say with, making good shit. Nope. With uh, the owner of this <laughs> work was impeccable. <laughs> so she ends up marrying the guy who runs this spot. At this point, she's like around 17. She's like, I'm going to get married. She marries this dude. They have a son like real quick. When she's 17, she has this kid. And she says her marriage was only happy for the first three months. And then she figured out that her husband had a huge gambling problem and a problem with sleeping around. And he would never be able to support her financially. The guy who ran the sweatshop? Yes. Mm. Weird. The sauna. So she's like, you know what? I'm fucking out of here. Also, I'm 17. She leaves her son with the dad's parents and like many people in Indonesia, she goes to Malaysia because she's promised a job there working at an actual like spa place. And she's like, cool, I'm going to go to Malaysia. I'm going to go to Kuala Lumpur and I'm going to make a living. And she gets there and like so many other girls who have gone to Malaysia, she finds out that it's actually a sex, sex work job. Yeah. Yep. She's forced into sex work. At this point, it's 2017. Did she bring her kid with her? No. No, no. She okay. left him with Sorry, the dad's parents. Got it. It's 2017. She's working technically as a masseuse in Kuala Lumpur. 2017? Yeah. Okay. It's 2017 so fast now. fast forwarded yeah. so many she, years. Yeah. Well... Because she was 17 in 1992. No, she was 12, 12 in 1992. 1992. So she's 37. And then 37. she's 17 when she has her son, That's which would be 1997. Which is the, she's married yeah. to him for a while, yeah. then she moves. She's in the sex industry doing that for a while. And one day... A long, long, long time. She is approached by a guy at this bar in the city's Flamingo Hotel... She's there. She's at the Beach Club Cafe. She's that's like one of her hangs. She's waiting for customers. It's excuse me later at night and she ends up talking to like this taxi driver and he's like fun thing I just found out. Um, I met this you Japanese driver. You know, I met this Japanese businessman and he's looking for people to act in a reality TV show and he asked me to go around to all the girls that I know and see if they would want to be possibly in this thing. Have you seen some Japanese reality TV shows? Though? Well, and this is like a YouTube-based oh, reality oh, TV show Oh, even better, also. yeah. Sort of. So City 
is like he he's like you have just the right look like this is exactly what he's looking for and she's like okay well uh i'll meet him in a mall like public place fine scope it out and she ends up meeting this guy james who is a he says he's a japanese tv producer named james yes james He's a Japanese TV producer, and he's making a candid camera style show for YouTube. Uh, and City is like, it's just a prank. Okay, it's just a titty prank. It's just a titty prank. I mean, it's pranks. I That's what this it is. is gonna he's get like, really sad. I need people with pranks. Yeah, and yeah. she's like, she you know what? I don't know. And he's like, what are you making right now? And she's like, I make five to ten dollars US a day, maybe. And he's like. I can give you $100 US for every prank thing that we pull. And she's like, I mean, that's a really great deal. Like, I could send money home. Nothing could really be worse than what I'm already being forced to do anyways. So, okay, count me in. It's just such a bummer to me that she's 37 at this point. Is that how old she is? Yeah. Yeah. That might be wrong. That's the years might be number. Wrongs. The years is might be wrong. The but years I'll get that. might be wrong later. Okay, she. I'm pretty sure she's in her late twenties, but that's not possible. Well, I don't. Uh, I don't want to get out of order, Haley Elizabeth. I'll give you her actual age as soon as I come to it. Okay. Okay. So City is like, all right. I will be part of your prank show, and James is like, tight. This is what. Our first job is gonna be. And he's like, it's weird, but it's, you know, it's a candid camera like prank show. All I want you to do is approach three men, these three dudes at random in this local mall and smear baby oil on their face. And then after you do that, all you have to do is like run away, like just get away from these people. Why have I heard of this? Yeah. And she's like, did this happen to you? Okay. Baby oil? Um, I'm really uncomfortable about Not this, but I'm going to do it. $100 she, is $100. 100 bucks. Yeah. She's like, that's all I have to do. It takes like literally 10 seconds. Okay. Yeah. I am afraid that these guys are going to get pissed, but no if shit. I can run away, whatever. So she goes up to these dudes. He, he had like put the oil on her hand. So there's like a lot of it. She goes up. She does it. She runs away. Oh my God. She does it perfectly. He's like, you did a great job. This is going to blow up on YouTube, on my channel. Like, let's keep doing this. And she's like, great. This is wonderful. Uh, I like, I need money. Mm-hmm. And she was like, I don't really understand why anybody would want to watch this thing. But James says that Japanese audiences love it and that they were also possibly going to be edited into a TV show that was going to air in Singapore. And so she's like, Wow, like maybe I'll get famous or something. Who knows? So um, she had earned 400 ringgits uh, for about 15 minutes of work. And, you know, in a normal night, she would get 20 ringgits for a whole night. And she's like, I'm down. So in the following weeks, City is summoned by James to carry out similar pranks at different law, different malls 
and at the Kuala Lumpur airport. And the drill is always the same. James puts lotion or baby oil or whatever on her hands and then he picks out like some random dude that looks all stuffy and bitchy and she runs up to them smears her hand smears her hands down his face and then runs away she's always like i'm sorry and then runs away she always (laughs) apologizes yeah and then right after that they pay her instantly and she getting all this money she's not really thinking about like the nature of the new work she's like this is just youtube shit Right. I've seen weird shit on YouTube. Yeah, yeah. There's plenty of weird shit. She was born in 92. She was born in 92. OK, sorry. I knew that was wrong. She wasn't that old. God damn it. Did you already look it up? No, I just looked up. I put it right down after I saw okay. her age. So she's into James also. She mm. trusts him. She's like, he's telling me he starts to be like, I want to take you to America. Like, we're going to get famous and then we're going to go. We're going to leave this life behind. And she's starting to kind of have a little bit of a crush on him. But before anything actually comes of it, uh, she finds out that there's this person in Cambodia who wants to, like, make her even uh, go on an even bigger scale. And so Siti is flown to Cambodia and linked up with another producer who's named Mr. Chang. Mr. Chang speaks fluent Bahasa, which is City's like native language. She's like, that's cool, but um, I am terrified of you. You're kind of scary and I don't really like you. He's a lot more serious, but the work in general is still the same. She's continuing to film pranks for money in Phnom I can't fucking say it I'm sorry Um, yes sure in Cambodia and in Malaysia and Kuala Lumpur and so she's been flying back and forth one night she's back in Kuala Lumpur Mr. Chang is like here's another 200 bucks you've been working super hard and everyone's really happy with the work that you've been doing this job could propel you to international stardom she's like cool like give me more money she's very flattered and she's happy she's celebrating her and her friends are at her 25th birthday there we go that's how old she is in 2017 sorry i fucked it up at the beginning they're having a party at the jakarta hard rock cafe because those fuckers are all over the place and they're like McDonald's. Everyone's having a great time. Her friends are all like, City's gonna be a celebrity. And she's like, I got money. And the following day, City is, she goes to the Kuala Lumpur airport to meet Mr. Chang for a briefing on the n- newest prank. And he's like, This one's a little bit different. Like, we have this one guy in mind. He's. And we also have another actress who is going to be pulling the prank with you. And she's going to be coming from another direction. And y'all are going to both go in on this one dude. She's like, okay, cool, whatever. The filmmaker takes out a small container. So you just used air quotes with filmmaker. So now I'm suspicious that this isn't going to end well. Well, I mean, I don't know if it's Mr. Chang is the filmmaker or if there's like a camera guy. Okay. So the filmmaker takes out a small container, puts this liquidy oil stuff on City's hands, 
They put it on the other girl's hands. They point out their target in this super busy airport. And Mr. Chang is like, this guy is a big boss in his company. He's super arrogant and he might get angry. So after you do this, like get away as quickly as you can. And she's like, sounds personal. Okay. Um, so she starts to come up. She sees the other girl coming from the other side. The other girl puts her hands over the guy's eyes and like smears it that way. City smears it down his face. And then she's like, he looks kind of annoyed and upset. And she's like, okay, sorry, bye. And then like runs away. They both run away. City runs to a bathroom and like washes her hands off. So does the other woman. Her her last name is Huang. They both go to different bathrooms and wash off their hands. Turns out the washing of their hands immediately after this is probably what saved both of those women's lives because the thing that was smeared on their hand was a lethal poison. Yes, I remember this. And just yards away from where they were washing their hands, a man named Kim Jong-nam is writhing in agony on the concourse floor as his vital organs shut down one by one. And you say, wow, Kim Jong-nam, that name sounds really Close. similar to Kim Jong-un. And that's exactly who that was. So Kim Jong-nam arrived in Malaysia on February 6, 2017. He was traveling to the island of Langkawi. At about 9 a.m., he gets attacked by two women, one from Vietnam and one is Indonesian. And he is like, at first, like, what is this gross stuff? And then he starts freaking Revolting. out. Um, his, like I said, organs start failing. He's clearly going through it. Um, Kim is treated at the airport by a clinic nurse who testified that he was sweating in pain and unresponsive. At the clinic, he was given a bunch of different drugs, adrenaline, tracheal intubation. Jesus. He's vomiting blood. And they were like, go to the hospital. Yeah. So on the way to the hospital, he dies. Mm. Never makes it there. On February 15th, so just a few days later, police arrest 28-year-old Vietnamese woman Doan Hurong. Sorry, it's spelled a few different ways because I'm pulling from a few different articles. They arrest the woman who put her hands over the guy's eyes mm. um, in, a in connection with this attack. They had identified her through CCTV footage. And then the next day on February 16th, 25-year-old Siti is arrested and identified as the second female assailant. So they're like, what the fuck? And wait, yeah. time out. When you said that's who that is, it was he wasn't he like Kim Jong-un's cousin? Half brother. Half brother. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. So these two women were entirely oblivious of the fact that they had basically just assassinated Kim Jong-un's half brother who could take over mm -hmm. the yeah. throne of North Korea. Um immediately they're like we don't know anything like we were both approached by these people we had done this before like 
it was for a YouTube channel. Like we had no fucking idea. This is we did this all the time. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we have footage of you (laughs) killing this Mm -hmm. guy. And both of them had shirts on that said LOL real big on it. Oh. Because, like, it was yeah. supposed to be funny YouTube stuff. Um, and <laughs> that sucks yeah. so bad. So just, imagine getting arrested and you're wearing that shirt. And that's what you have to go to jail in. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's not a great look. It's not. It's. I would not LOL at all at that. So at the police station, they're told that they had been involved in the murder of a president's brother. Wait, where was this? Like, what country did they do this in? Kuala Kuala Lumpur Lumpur in Malaysia. I thought it was Singapore. Scared me. No. Why do you have family in Singapore? Singapore is incredibly strict. Oh yeah. With a uh, yeah, with everything, with murder, yeah, murder. <laughs> so they're like, guess what? You murdered a president's brother, and their city is like, you've got to be joking. And they're like, no, bitch, we're not. Um, city gets taken to the hospital because it's only a couple days later, and they find traces of that VX poison on her hands still. Uh, she did say that after the attack, I guess if you want to call it, she the even prank. though she washed, yeah, even though she washed her hands, like she did feel nauseous on her way home, and like something was weird, but she didn't have a lethal dose on her anymore, and she got over it. Um, she said. She's absolutely terrified when she realized that she might be executed. She was also super confused. Uh, ha- she cried every day for three months. She couldn't eat. She couldn't drink. She'd never see her kid again. And she's totally fucking terrified. She was also unaware that it was it had become this international drama because the other woman was from Vietnam. And obviously this involved a North Korean defactor. Mm-hmm. So there's a bunch of different countries that are now involved in this. And it's like, well, did, you know, Malaysia and Vietnam conspire to kill someone from North Korea? She's just like, I don't know. I'm just a YouTube person. I just feel like a lot of times when North Korean diplomats are killed, it's by other North Koreans. Right. So on April 1st, 2019... Uh, Wait, where's this Chang guy? So, who? Okay, the guys escaped. Mm-hmm. All of them. Ugh. Uh, James too. Yeah. Well, I mean, but James might have not even been involved in it. No, he probably wasn't. He he might have. Like you never know. But he was because he was that like first foray into doing this YouTube prank shit. But. They did never she know. ever see any of these pranks? Like, did she ever say? There, I think there's some on YouTube. Okay. You can watch the actual attack mm-hmm. on YouTube of Kim Jong, uh, what was it? Nah? Sorry, mm-hmm. I should know that. Of him getting attacked. I remember watching that. Because uh, he, 
yeah, it, everything was captured on CC. Like they were so easily found and identified because of their big LOL shirts. Mm. And they cross Canadian TV. Mm. <laughs> That's what it is. It was a while before she was allowed to see a lawyer and uh, she was charged with murder, a crime which in Malaysia carries a mandatory death penalty. She was super terrified, but after spending what, how many years? I think it was... Oops. It was 2017. Well, yeah. February 2017. On April 1st, 2019, the murder charge against Huang was dropped. That is the other woman from Maybe. Vietnam. Um, after she pleaded guilty to the lesser charge of voluntarily causing hurt by a dangerous weapon. Was she also doing pranks before this? Yeah, she okay. had done a few before. She was also like she uh, had a degree, but she wasn't using it. She kind of wanted to be famous yeah. and was like, hey, I get offered this YouTube so thing. This could be Screw it. Yeah, basically, yeah. yes. I don't have a degree, though. I mean, I, you got part of one. All you really need is a yearning to be famous and get as as much attention as possible yeah she was sentenced to three years but that got reduced and then she ended up being released in may of 2019 so they sentenced her in april and then she was released in may so that three years didn't really account for it uh city was also found ultimately like not at fault it did take a lot of convincing from both governments to be like like for real these bitches didn't know anything about what they were doing mm-hmm. ultimately they believe both of them which is insane to me like congratulations yeah. Yeah. thank god most of the evidence suggests that the assassination of kim jong nam was in fact a north korean plot overseen by his power hungry half-brother Kim Jong-un. Mm, I bet it was the sister. Yeah, she's the one that's actually pulling the strings uh-huh. on everything. That's what I heard. Uh-huh. Ooh. Uh-huh. You hear me, North I mean, Korea? Making assumptions about Kim you. Kim Jong-un <laughs> killed his own uncle mm-hmm. and had already made several attempts on his half-brother's life in the past. Didn't he kill... Who else did he kill? And he, he killed him by having dogs tear him apart. Um, Fox. Wait, who was it? It was like the- Ramsey Bolton. I don't... <laughs> No, um, what was it? Whenever the fucking dictator came out, but then Sony, it was Sony. Yeah. They got the Sony link. Yeah. The did leak. You, did you listen to that podcast? No. I almost did that. I was almost going to cover that. I the Lazarus effect. It's very interesting. It's I'll listen super to it. Fun. So, <laughs> Kim Jong Nam at one point had even written a letter to Kim Jong Un begging him to stop trying to kill him and have him killed. Oof. Uh it's rough. sibling stuff. He said it's just quote please withdraw the order to punish me and my family. We have nowhere to hide. The only way to s- escape is to choose suicide. He's like just fucking let me go, bro. But in June of 2019, reports surfaced that Kim Jong-nam had actually been acting as a CIA informant and since his half-brother had taken power in North Korea and that he'd met with a CIA agent at a hotel on an island off the coast of Indonesia just four days prior to his death. Which is where James comes in. You know, you never know. 
Authorities later determined that from his laptop that data had been removed and placed on a USB drive the day he met with the CIA agent. He also had $138,000 on him, which could have been payment for that data. That's a lot of cash to carry. Well, yeah, they yeah. shouldn't have run that far. Like that's fast. not that's not like fitness suitcase could, kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you could. $100,000. $10,000 is about in hundreds is about that big. I think, well, What's, also, what carry on? Are we talking about American also, Airlines like, carry on? Are we talking about like Spirit their Airlines? Their money, carry it probably on? wasn't in like US dollars. It might have been. You could well, do, with inflation you could rates, do, usually it would be even more money then. You could do two by two, two stacks by two rows. I'll go get, I'll go pull bills. the cash out from yeah. my bank account. Yeah, we'll yeah. figure so this you out. $138,000, which you totally have. Yeah. Million dollar um, Haley. <laughs> yep. <laughs> That's like million dollar baby. And I think <laughs> you think you just technically cursed me. Yes. I <laughs> so, you're going to have to be a boxer. Yeah. Yeah. He also. I, I have. <laughs> It's one of my yeah first in, encounters with your boyfriend was at a boxing competition. That's true. Mm-hmm. He also happened to have happened to have a antidote to poison on him. Just general. Just no to like that type of specific poison. Wait, oh that's cray cray. But he didn't think about it. Like he didn't have time or something. Yeah, once your vital organs start kind of shutting down, you're not just like... Yeah, but also, like, if I'm carrying this thing around me always, if something slimy or anything is on me, I'm immediately... Yeah, it's like an EpiPen kind of situation. Right. Maybe he was kind of like, this, whatever, this yeah, I'm over it, yeah. But, yeah, that's how two women who thought they were going to become YouTube stars killed... Oh, so their career didn't work out. No, now they're both famous. Oh, so yeah. it is a happy it story. Is, okay. Know, yeah. City has even commented about being famous now because oh, of Oh, does this. she go in and comment on her own YouTube videos I now? This. No, I don't know about that. But That's there is a documentary out about this now. It's called Assassins. I haven't written it or written it. I haven't written it or watched it. Mm. But uh You haven't written your book report on it? I haven't. But Yep. That's. This wasn't that long ago, so they could still theoretically find the people who did it. There's that fucking AC kicking on again. I really am impressed that the government was like, Mm -hmm. you know what? You're probably right. Yeah. Right. (laughs) Yeah. Y'all seem like nice women who have been through a lot. I mean, I slap a little oil on your hand from time to time. Talking about those YouTube videos, like, are they actually out there? I think that that was part of the evidence to prove that Mm -hmm. she really like didn't know well when you were talking about it it sounds so bizarre that i was like were they like getting them complacent with like was the whole thing a ruse that's what i was thinking that at the end it was gonna be like oh yeah and they never actually posted any of these videos and it was just for them to get comfortable with doing this weird thing so we could trick them into assassinating somebody which I bet. It's, I wonder if Mr. Chang's videos, any of those were out there. Because yeah. I think he's the bad one. Yeah. I don't know about the James guy, if he was involved or yeah, not. Yeah, but it is weird. To, well, yeah. I mean, I guess if the James guy was like, hey, you know what's funny? Oil on faces. And then the other guy was like, hey, you know what we could do with that oil? I or, mean, that's some, maybe it's just creative thinking yeah. on their part. Yeah. Or was James like, you want me to get him to, all right, yeah, we can. 
It's so weird. I need to know. Or like Mr. Chang was at home one day and his kid was watching these videos and he was like, like, I know exactly exactly how we're going to get this guy. And I feel like I've seen not this like plot, but things in like a like surface to surface, like hand touching poison in like spy movies before. Right. Or even like poison ivy. Yeah. She tongue kissed that guy. Man. Mm hmm. But he, had, her lips. but he had he had COVID. Yes, yeah, you know. he had COVID. He had COVID. Yeah. That was it. That's, that's it's hard to kiss him when you're on a ventilator. I mean, it's true. Yep, for sure. Can't be smooching. And now we're back to the hellscape that we currently <laughs> just right back. Fantastic. To be fair, this was in 2017. Yeah, not that true. far ago. And she wasn't released until 2019. So yeah, I bet even Trump less did far. it. That's a Big, big claim. part of why it wasn't bigger news over here or throughout the world is because Trump was like so much taken over. Like he's going into office February well, twenty like seventh. Buds mm-hmm. with Kim Jong Un. Yeah. So uh, that overshadowed a lot of light that probably would have been shed on the assassination of Kim Jong Un's brother. brother. So yeah, damn. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. See, this whole, all of the pranks that we've been discussing today. Yeah, we Not got fun. titty prank. See, we got yep. coffee prank. Coffee, mm-hmm. just a cheeky little coffee prank. Yeah, and your crutch. Yeah, and yeah. then we've got you know murder Oily prank, poison prank. Mm-hmm. I think that the that Angela Lansbury through line's pretty good because we had. Titty yep. and an old lady. The case I of could the, very much the case of the single tit. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The case of <laughs> the burned crotch. The burned crotch in the case, case of, of the, the baby un- oil poisoner. Unintentional assassination. Yeah. It's mm. almost like she wrote it. She wrote it. She wrote Murder. it. Murder. She wrote it. She wrote it. I used to think that her name was Murder. She wrote. That's a really good. <laughs> Skate name like roller derby name. Murder. <laughs> she wrote. I murder. She, she wrote. wrote. Not she wrote is one word. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> murder. She wrote. You know, as a child. Anyways, it doesn't matter. I mean, that's like all the last names in um, that movie that's now a documentary or that show that's a documentary. What's it called? Uh, Handmaid's Tale. Oh, um, like Alfred. she wrote. Alfred. Alfred. Yeah. She wrote. And the first name Murder. Really cool. Um, Maybe I'll name my kid Murder. Mm-hmm. The, kid, the kid that you have to have now? I mean, yes. <laughs> name it Murder. Yeah. <laughs> it's fitting. Sorry, this is what I wanted to do. Yeah. Have a baby Ooh. for you for the job that you want them to have. Hey, name man, as long as they're the sleepy. Job, but... Yeah. <laughs> I'll have all the babies as long as they're sleepy. 